Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. Not just me and Benji here today. We're here with Bas Tiertema breaking up the off-season previews with, well, it is a team preview of sorts, but we're making an exception because Bas, amongst other people, have launched the Tour de Tietema or TDT Unibet Cycling Team, and as Bass is a friend of the podcast, and because he's got a different way, I guess, of approaching cycling from the new media perspective, uh, kind of like ourselves, felt like a natural uh, interview to ask why he's doing this, how his year went, because he was on Bingo, well, I call him Bingo Al, um, in case you didn't know, um, this year, uh, how that went and I guess what goes into developing or creating a, a Conti team, getting sponsors, equipment, all that jazz and what their plans are for next year. So how are you going, Bus? Are you going on December camp with the team in a week? No, we're not. We're going on the January camp. Okay. We have a camp of three days, but not the, not the usual uh, Calpa training camp, no. Okay, I think I drove past uh, your team when I was in Denia, yeah, in January. So you're not doing everyone in that in the Kolobnev Kampanats Hotel altitude um, straight off the bat in uh, January. But how was your year? Busy year, lots of different things, back into World Tour races. How was it? Yeah, it was, if you look back, was really a crazy year for me. It started last October with training like, like like crazy like benji is doing right now like <laughs> like like 20 hours 20 hours 25 hours a week well i don't make, train that much <laughs> well, but, but, but also making a lot of progress in the in the beginning and i think it went all pretty well and maybe some people will think it was all stage but till exactly till january it was really uh, not sure if i would join the team so it was actually like in January when on the second camp that they saw that I make such a progress that I jumped into the team. Um, so yeah, in the beginning it was lots of training and a big transition from the last years as yeah as YouTube channel. Um, and then yeah, you jump into the races and the, in the beginning it went pretty pretty okay. Like I did Tour of Antalya. And I'm not the best climber. And if you are there with, like, you are always joking about the climbing skills of Maresco. But if you are able to, in like, if you are able in a half a year to be yeah. in, in the group, I think it's it's pretty decent. Um, and then, yeah, of course, I also saw, like, I did a lot of, one, of like, one-day races. And one-day races in Holland, of, Holland and Belgium, it's, you have to be, like, 100% because almost, like, half of the field don't finish any race. And I think I had a decent level, but maybe not good enough to to finish all those races. And I know there is a lot of attention on me as a rider because, yeah, you're broadcasting all the stuff, making episodes about it. And 
there are way more riders that are struggling to finish those kind of races. And yeah, I also saw that like did not finish, did not finish. And um, yeah, and then yeah, uh, yeah, the, it was a kind of a difficult period as well. But I had like, for example, Dana was doing pretty good race mm -hmm. uh, there. So it was there, it was some ups and downs. And there you can see also that the stable level or, like of my physical ability was not high enough to to ride constant level races so sometimes it went pretty well and other times it went yeah bad <laughs> uh, yeah it was uh was kind of uh, a lot of ups and downs yeah uh, like a wonderful experience when uh People might not know, but you started off back in the day on BMC Dev Team and so forth, and eventually you ended up doing YouTube as your first cycling career kind of ended out. Okay. Your yeah. YouTube went great, launching to the Titumate, Tour de France, whatever, throughout the years. And then you indeed transitioned back into that cycling role. Now, having come from that YouTuber thing before you went to cycling again, also partially because of the double life still doing the YouTube videos on the cycling adventure you're doing at bingo i think you're proud of being a youtuber i think when i talk to you i feel that but does it sometimes annoy you that if for example uh, a belgian media newspaper comes out and says oh this this youtuber is in the peloton does that come over as a bad thing or a good thing when they say that um i think it's a fair question because i would have the same question as well when I see other riders, for example, at Skill Shimano, you had a Japanese rider as well. And then mm -hmm. I had the same thoughts about that as well. Uh, Bahrain had a Taiwanese one as well, for example. So uh, I can understand the question. And of course, it helps that you have like extra uh, PR value for a team. If I wasn't like, a, if I didn't have the YouTube channel behind it, um, yeah, then the opportunity wouldn't be there. Um, so that question is is fair enough, um, and that was also why I only in January I got the news that yeah. I actually came in the team. Um, and yeah, at the end, if you don't finish races, and the combination of having that stigma of being a YouTuber, yeah, I can imagine that there, uh, yeah, some point of views of com yeah are coming from. Um, so yeah. It's fair, and I have to prove that it's uh, because, like you say, I'm a YouTuber, but I'm not a YouTuber at, as at all. Like you are yeah. editing videos, I've never made any edit video. I didn't edit any video since the beginning. So yeah. I had the idea, and I really believe the transition of doing things different in cycling. But I'm not actually the creative brain behind what we are doing, and. How difficult was it? Because I noticed you had the Cervelo bike sponsorship on the Tour de Tietema channel. Yeah. And then you go over to a Pro Conti team with a different bike sponsor. And so, then I don't know who, if Cervelo was sponsoring the new team. Um, or you haven't announced it yet for the Tour de Tietema team. Um, how difficult was that? Like you're balancing, you have, I don't know if, if you even had, did you have existing contracts that made it like difficult? to ride for bingo as well yeah it was really that was really struggling because you have on one hand own partnerships and actually all the partnership we had were quite positive about the idea and they were really 
um, they would say, okay, fair enough, there's a unique opportunity, so go for it. And next to that, you had Josse and Devin who are working with me on the channel as well, and they have their own adventures and they were still riding on the, uh, on the Cervelo bikes, for example. Um, but it was tough. So if you look well on the social media page of me or like the Instagram feed, you see that you nearly see any that you nearly see any De Rosa on the Instagram feed. So um, it was, yeah, it was not an easy, um, it was not an easy year with so many different stakeholders. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of ex yeah, managing of all those expectations. And um, for example, during Paris-Roubaix, everyone wants something. So we invest a lot in this series because we had a whole media team that was coming all over the place to make YouTube content and we invest in that ourselves. But when I'm riding then, for example, the in the breakaway of Kurne, then all the team sponsors that are not sponsoring us also want to advertise with us. So uh, yeah. we had, um, yeah, was difficult. Yeah, I get that. I get that. This video is brought to you by Zwift. Whether you're just starting out on your cycling journey or are looking for those final tune-ups ahead of a big event or race, Zwift is the online cycling platform that makes things fun. There are nine different worlds, thousands of kilometers of virtual road, including replicas of real-world climbs like Alpe de Zwift. There's workouts, training plans, events, and even races for every level of rider. Zwift's massive community means you're never alone on the road. So if you want to know more about Zwift or want to start your seven-day trial for free, head to Zwift.com below. Now, at what point during the stages of your last three-ish years did the idea come up of potentially we should start a cycling team is it realistic to start a cycling team when was the first idea from it when did it that concept get into creation in a really early stage i think it was at a <laughs> point that we were nearly collapsing as the youtube channel because it was such a hard time uh, just before our first series that we started cycling ourselves i had the idea that starting from more like a media perspective a cycling teams from a fan base there was a unique opportunity to start and create a team. Um, and in that period of time, it was really far away from, and not realistic at all. Um, but the idea was original from that period of time. And then this last year, um, the opportunity came by to really set up the professional team. Um, but the belief to, to start a team from a fan base and with an own identity and starting up from there. Yeah. 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 That's already a few years in mind. Yeah. Can that give an extra bonus aspect to it? Because, for example, with the Wolfpack with Quickstep, it's kind of an identity for Quickstep and might lead it more to being a team that is supported instead of the riders of a team that is supported. Because I feel like cycling has always been a sport where it's more you are supporting the riders and if they change team, then you're keeping up supporting the riders. But with this concept, it's kind of more that they can support the team, right? Yeah, I think Wolfpack is a good step forward. But if I see this year with Sudal, the Koning and those kind of sponsors that they go, Sudal goes from Lotto Sudal to the biggest competitor and the Koning is going from Quickstep to... Um, <laughs> the Carousel. I, 
yeah, if I have to tell this to someone that don't know anything about uh, cycling, they have no clue. And then also the identity, the name, for example, but also the colors of the jerseys. Um, yeah, that makes it really tough as not cycling follower to to understand what are the teams. Um, and and I think you guys and, and me, like for example, Jumbo Visma is for me the same identity as Rabobank. Um, but yeah, the, the change of colors and the identity that it changed, yeah. Um, I think the beat idea of starting with an own uh, name is, is was a pretty good idea, but uh, we are kind of lucky that we have a fan base already and then start a team instead of starting something and hoping that you get fans. Yeah, like the new Doug Ryder Pro Conti team, Q3 6.5. Like, yeah. No offense, but like, what is that? <laughs> I think the same for you guys. If you start tomorrow a pro cycling team, you have a lot of fans. Yeah. And they will all say, oh, those guys will do it on a different way, making tactics on another level, yeah. speaking about their team, and you have the fans. Landon Rouge, we aim to be the last in the race. <laughs> yeah, the last, <laughs> the last riders. I mean, I did, because yeah, I always, you know, with the Yumbo Visma work, it's like, get to work with the best team in the world. Um, and it's kind of ready-made for you. I don't have I don't have to do all the shit. I don't have to like organize logistics, organize HR, organize contracts, organize bid on soigneurs. But you don't have to do that, Patrick. You are the you are the identity. I'm not doing the UCI paperwork. Yeah, I'm true. Not, I'm you a have control to, freak though. <laughs> yeah. I'm that as well, but you need then someone next to you. Yeah, yeah. That you trust and that he can do all the work and you are the identity of the team. What so, you're saying that I should be doing all the work for Patrick. No, nah, my, <laughs> my poor wife <laughs> would have to do it. No, she she's better with like she she runs everything behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, like edits these podcasts, etc. Um, but no, I I like just being able to give advice, you know, and then that's it. Um, yeah. At the moment, oh, it's just I, it's so much work. I I can understand because you guys have more like a journalist kind of view, and we are way more on the entertainment side. Uh, and I think if I see all the race analysis and kind of stuff that did, but. It was just saying if you have an identity, like yeah, you yeah. Have, and you can start yeah. with something. And now it's what you say, like a pro country team starts and nobody has any clue what, what the idea of the team is, who they are, who are the guys behind it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. But we, we've mentioned a few times now in the last portion of this, we talk about the stuff that goes into creating a team. And like when when I think about stuff that, is needed to create a team. First of all, money. It's pretty important. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. How difficult was it to be able to find funding to be able to get a continental team started from the ground? And hey, if you want to spill the beans, roughly in what margin of money do are we talking? Are we talking a bit over seven figures? Are we talking multiple seven figures? <laughs> um, good question. Um, first of all, uh, getting a sponsor for us was way easier than a normal Conti team because the partners that are into this project are not there because we are riding Stefan Zwolle or other continental races. They are there for the bigger picture because, or 
we don't want to be a continental team and doing that for five years. We want to make a, a unique story and want to go as far as possible. And they are in for that. And maybe the next years we're going to ride the bigger races. But right now it's more like a combination of sponsoring, but also um, buying media, media value, you have CPM, the, the kind of stuff that you have on YouTube with, uh, with ads or, or banners and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like a combination of, of those both. Um, and money-wise, um, <laughs> no, no, but it's not, it's not like uh, something you have to hide from. If you want to, to go to Pro Conti, you need millions. And I can't say like the, like the exact amount, but um, we are not competitive to any World Tour team, for example. But yeah. um, we just had an idea. It was just an idea. And uh, in, this ki- in this case, Unibet believed those kind of ideas. And they pay, in my eyes, a lot of money for something that's just on paper. And I think it's up to us to, to show them in the first year and, 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 the, and the second year that the value is there. And that we can be a continental team with the same media value as a pro conti team or maybe some world tour teams. Um, well, yeah, because yeah, what's bigger, Albert Actores Pro Ronda van Trenta or Ronda van Hank? Seriously, if you look at the data, which actually has more media exposure, like I think it's Ronda van Hank. Um, like races like Giro dell'Emilia with Roglic. Avonapol, Almeida fighting last year, or Mars and Pagacha this year, literally not on TV outside of Italy. So all you get, say, your Movistar sponsor, no one's watched it live in Spain. There's no YouTube highlights. You For Master's Victory, there's an Instagram photo. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's... And listen, like, with Yumbo, I'm not, my job's not to give any media advice. That's completely separate but like even for them like could they i think i think some of the like they they decent job some of the teams like any doing a a better job maybe they're doing the bigger picture stuff like they have the documentaries now but i think the daily stuff or the more maybe more the weekly stuff they're not bringing out good weekly content now if you win the tour de france then to be honest you don't really need to um but it's all those other races like how none of the world tour teams are telling the story about their Torino Adriatico or Paris. No, exactly. And it's a good point that you make there, Patrick, because I think the reason why they make documentaries is because they can sell them in front. So are they, they are making them without any risk of money. So they sell, for example, with Amazon, um, I think they are now making an Amazon Prime documentary. Yeah. Um, the same for Netflix. And when you want to make O Media, you know that it, it costs a lot of time, money, and I don't know. Maybe you have a bigger picture on that. But what is the in the World Tour team the team with the biggest media team? I think it's only like three, four guys. I think they have a lot of like they hire a contractor, which is expensive. So like Tour de France, they hire a guy or a team to come in, but they're not their permanent staff. Yeah, I think it's three, four permanent people, max. Exactly. And then right now they are making something during the Tour de France. It starts when the Tour begins. And 
it ends at the end of the tour and then you have to wait for content for for months for example and i think that's also something we want to do is to make like daily and weekly stuff throughout the year uh, yeah that you make real characters in your own team um, well you just mentioned yeah. that so in your contracts with the riders which we'll get to in a second do you have they have to commit to certain things on social media it's not just about riding the bike no they are not going to be vloggers we asked devin or creative brain behind everything and he said no riders don't have to be vloggers maybe someone who don't use social media at all it's, it's perfectly fine if he is in the team we are broadcast or like we are filming what happens during the race or what happened like we are filming like a real life documentary and only the way how we broadcast it is how we broadcast it it's completely different than the traditional kind of stuff but with jumbo visma there is a media guy in the team every single moment of the day and we are doing the same but the output of what we are making is completely different so i think it's more the way of what you make instead of what you are filming but riders don't have to be uh vloggers and they can fully focus on the sportive part of the of the team okay and what what schedule do you think you will have do you reckon it'll be pretty easy to get sort of invites on the dutch and belgian one one 1.1 circuit will it only be national races do you already have invites from some some races but to be to add to that do you, don't you think that certain races will want you at their race, knowing they get coverage on your channel? Yeah, we have a few uh, few organizers that already send a send an invite, <laughs> and we also make on our own way a video to show the organizers what we will bring to the race. So uh, normally you just mail like I want to ride that that this kind of race, and I have this rider. But yeah, you know, on continental level, they have no clue. And mostly it's about the name of a sports director that won the race somewhere in the history that's making the difference if you get an invite or not. And we are really focusing on what we bring to a race. And yeah, the most it's going to be, we are going to have Dutch races, uh, Belgian races, but next to that, we want to also get invited in more like the Tour of Norway, Tour of Britain, Tour of Belgium, the the, the horse category races or 1.1s also abroad. And will you require, I mean, for Antalya, with some of these invites, maybe not with the dot pro races, but will you try and negotiate that you get to use race footage easily? Um, like there's going to be, because sometimes like, I've experienced it myself. You're doing the race organizer the fate, and then the race organizer is like, "No, no, you can't do that. I can't do this." And it's like, um, okay, Tour de France is different. Tour de France, in, in my opinion, I don't really do the Tour de France too many favors. Um, like, it's a pretty big race. I do, <laughs> I do the smaller race. I help. I think I do a good job with the smaller races. Um, but yeah, have you with those races? Will you be getting like? access to race footage to use freely afterwards in your videos um not spoken about this yet but on the point two, point one, and 
those lower levels, you have a, a, a yeah. Like last year in Antalya, they asked us, uh, do you guys also want to live stream the VTT race, <laughs> for example? So all those races are happy with extra viewers for their sponsors instead of saying, yeah, this is our uh, media rights of the race. Um, so for us, it's perfect to have the first year to show the bigger races, the extra value we can bring instead of directly being in races yeah, like the ASO races or the big races that you have directly a fight on on media rights and stuff. And when we talk about the gradual upbuilding of this team, you start off as a Conti team. You start off with the likes of, uh, I'm just blabbing out some some Dutch races, Ronde van Overijssel, uh, those types of races, I would expect in year one based on your explanation. How do you see the plan in the future? What do you see... When it comes to the future in terms of, do you see a future where you become a pro team? Do you see a future where you become a world tour team at about 75 years or earlier? <laughs> um, nowadays, if you say that you're going to be pro Conti team, people believe <laughs> that you don't going to be a pro Conti team because so many teams are saying it. But I can say that the ambition and the plans are there to, uh, to make the step already pretty soon. Because there aren't actually okay. that many Dutch teams. Was Jumbo? Is DSM Dutch or German? Technically, now it's Dutch. Now it's Dutch. Okay. Right. Rompot died. Yeah. But uh, the idea is to be in the second year already pro Conti. All right. How much is the bond for pro Conti? Like two fifty k or something to the UCI? Maybe that's the World Tour bond. I don't know. But your team. Did you go after David Decker? <laughs> no because he signed already somewhere but uh not no, it's public but in two years i reckon they're the sort of riders you, so you, i'm already predicting what your plan would be which would be in two years to be a more attractive destination than a lower world tour team than rks samzik um yeah. for someone like decker in two three years but you at the moment you've signed to be honest uh, it's actually it's like these are better riders than I expected. <laughs> Honestly, like I would name one, like Kopecki, the two guys from that that Conti team. Um, what's it called? Um, a block Conti team. He's actually those two are actually good. Like he came eighth in GC at ZLM Tour, which is what the biggest Dutch stage race. Yeah, almost. Yeah, one off. Well, what else? What other Dutch stage races are there? Back in the day, the Bing Bang Tour was half Dutch, but not anymore, eh? Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, like, he, he's pretty good. How much convincing did it take to get guys like Kopecky, um, I'll list a few names, Blum, Budding, De Vries, Tanfield to join, or do they share the vision of the team as well? Uh, to be honest, in the beginning, it was pretty hard because you have to convince them that you're going to set up a Conti team that is doing it on a different way than all the other Conti teams. And most of the Conti teams don't have the, like, it's, it's not really good. It's not a professional organization. I have a lot of respect for all Conti teams, but it's mostly as someone that's loving the sport, getting some local sponsors on board and write a good program. But... I knew that we're going to set up it differently. And also what you said, like Benji, with the um, ambitions we had. But then you have to share that. And 
like also now what you see with BNB, this is what happens in continental level every single time. So the trust in a new team is so super low. And in the beginning, it was pretty hard because on one hand, you have to contact riders, but you don't have the, uh, the ultimate sign of a sponsor. And I think this is, I don't know the exact story of BNB, but I can imagine that it's something like this. Um, I, I reckon what happened is they went to the, the sponsors and they're like, we got Cavendish. Exactly. Cavendish is going to win the Tour de France, break the record next year. They went to Cavendish and they said, we got Carrefour, Amazon France. <laughs> They're going to sign up because you're coming. And nine, no one put pen to paper. Yeah. Um, but, but you need to, to go further in the pro process with riders because there is not much time left with all the um, subscription or like with the, with the UCI regulations and, and those kind of stuff. Um, so, well, they did extend BNB for another month to have another month to like get their papers oh, in. So, Jesus. That, that's so weird to me. Like, we are really rushing to get everything <laughs> done, and then you see, oh yeah, rules are rules, but not for BNB. They get, an, yeah, it feels like. I hope they they're gonna make it, and it's not something like to BNB. But it's weird that you have rules, and everyone is trying to to make the date, and then oh yeah. You get an extension. <laughs> so some of these riders, uh, like Jerome, Jerome Bloom, again, 22. He's done well this year on the Conti circuit and in Dutch races in particular. Looks like a sort of a decent Conti sprinter. He might improve. Um, and you got yourself and Tanfield who rode in World Tour before. What's, do you, what's like a goal for the team next year? Is it to be like, of course you can say win a race, but is it to just be like a, quite a good Conti team actually competitive in the races you're doing as a start? Yeah. And yeah, of course I can say I want to win. We want to win that kind of race, but um, I don't think that that has to be a goal for team because that's just output and someone other, someone else is better that they, Fair enough, but uh, the goal has to be that the most of the riders, when they are able to join with us to Pro Conti next year, then I think we have like a, then we did a really nice season. And when they are capable of making that level, um, I think that's a, more like a, an, an ultimate goal of the team. Is there also an aspect of like, like when I think about a series on my channel where I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a, a series about my own cycling journey. I'm also thinking about the content aspect of it. And do you also think through your races and are you like, oh, what races could we do to make it a good story? Does that matter? Or is it, is that divided? Is the team one part and the content one part that is built from the team? Or does the content ideas influence or the storytelling ideas influence the path that the team will take? Yeah, you get different layers next year. So you get different types of series. For example, Josse, but the team as well. So it's not going to be that the YouTube channel is the cycling team, but mm -hmm. the cycling team has a platform with the YouTube channel. And the most difficult part is when you start a team, you want to film every race. And then you get the next race and the next race and the next race. And... The unique thing about making a series is that you're working to a climax. So 
everyone is watching it, wants to get to the climax arc. Are they gonna make it or not? So we are now making like a roadmap for this year. What are the the top line yeah. series that we are gonna make? So for example, Stefan Zwolle, the first openings race of the year, that's the climax. And maybe then we have two, three, one month silence with the with the main series. But next to that, we get like more the team content. And that's the content that's going to be there the whole season. Um, so yeah, you get different types of, of, yeah, of content, but you have to make series because otherwise you, you just get an overview of the day. Ah, now we are riding Ronde van Drenthe and now we are riding this one. And then I think people will get bored. Bring back Ronde van Hank. Patrick, I wanted to say one more thing about like why riders came to my team. And normally it's not really um, normal to talk about money. But if you see nowadays what riders on continental uh, level uh, receive from teams and what they need to, to do for that, like most of them, they are not getting more than 500 euros a week or like a month, sorry. And they have to train full time and... They expect that they have that they are gonna be every single race. They have to pay the travel expenses themselves, and we are not paying way more, like ex- extremely amounts. But for us, it was really important that every single rider needs to focus on cycling and make a living out of it. That they not like, uh, yeah, that they are completely uh, broke at the end of the month. Um, so yeah, there's, yeah. Have you noticed during your years as a cyclist that there's also the aspect that in certain teams, riders have to pay to be able to get the opportunity to ride in certain races. Like we, we joke about it on the podcast that Patrick will get, uh, an Androni contract by it up, but that's an issue now. He might have to do I, I could get a Badiani contract. Yeah. Well, you're not Italian, so it might be a tiny bit harder, but. Doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but the I'm situation. Just <laughs> yeah, no, the situation on Conti level is if you want to set up a team now, I have so many people asking to get into the team and paying money themselves. And uh, I was happy that we completed the team before announcing that because uh, yeah, it's in my it's not a healthy environment, in my opinion. Um, for the amount of time and effort you have to put into it as a rider. Um, like working at a supermarket without having any talent with all respect, uh, you get more money than being a semi-professional rider on county level. Because nowadays, continental level, you have to need a serious level. And you're probably not going to die or severely injure yourself in a normal job. So in the Conti races, you can you can they still do the descents just as fast. Like you can still fuck yourself up, um, and you're riding for like virtually no money in most cases. I'm not surprised that you you guys. I mean, you you just have such a competitive advantage over the other Conti teams, and I guess it makes sense that if you want to be pro Conti next year, you know, may as well start paying above what a normal Conti team pays now, because then you know that's the trajectory tr- you're on. Uh, you're on anyway. Uh, one more question about um, basically the team now and also the the relative 
comparison to your life at Bengal in the last year, for example. During your life at Bengal, I personally had the feeling that sometimes Bengal wasn't necessarily, or at least the, the team wasn't necessarily helping you create extra content around it. Like the announcements of the team were a bit met. That's my personal opinion. I don't know. And do you feel like, obviously, creating a team will allow for the team, which is basically you guys, to have like more creative control on how an announcement for a roster is going to be decided? How is build-up towards certain events? Do you feel like that will add a lot more to the content than last year? 100%. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of respect for the chance that I, that I got from Bingo. Uh, I'm really happy with that, but there was so much more in it. And they always saw the value in what we created, but it was mostly afterwards. Yeah. And that's, um, if I look back, for example, with Roubaix and uh, also, um, if I wasn't writing Roubaix, fair enough, that's not the case. But right now there was so much more in it with like, for example, announcing kind of stuff, but also for us as a media team next to me, uh, with creating storylines, creating content to make it to another level. And yes, this year, of course, Sportive is number one. We have Hugo Haag as a Sportive Director of the, of the general team. And his only goal is to make the team as far as possible in the Sportive um, aspect. But next to that, we have a media team and that have to be in balance and they will bring value to each other. And yeah. Of course, this year we have that in control way more than last year. What do you think is going to happen with Netflix? With the Netflix series? It's not going to be F1 level, of course. It, it will not be draft to survive level. But what do you think happens with it? First of all, I'm really curious uh, because I think the biggest problem is that the expectations are really high. Yeah, I think they're too high. Too high. Um, I think it's a good step forward. Uh, but now everyone is comparing it with uh, Drive to Survive, and I think that's not fair um, because then, it, yeah, I think that yeah, I think that's the key. Um, I think it's a good step forward, and uh, you can say everything about ASO and all the teams and the money they get from it. And uh, it, it, for in cycling general, I think it's a good uh, step forward. Uh, but yeah, I'm really curious and. I hope the expectations aren't too high. <laughs> I, I sometimes, when, when it comes to Drive to Survive, this F1 series, I kind of got into F1 through that. Then I decided to realize that I don't have time to watch F1 in the first place. So I'm back into cycling completely. But an aspect to that is, do you think that there might be like the fabricated drama that there is in the in the Netflix show of oh, F1, sure. also in cycling, because that would add a lot. You don't need to fabricate it. It's there. <laughs> you just have to show it. Could be with the radios. It's quite easy to to, to change kind of those stuff. But um, <laughs> I would I would like to to mention the Netflix is always used now as the uh, the thing that created of that brought uh, Formula One to a next level. Yeah. But I think the 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 key of Formula One was the Liberty Media that bought the ride from Bernie Ecclestone. 100%. And Netflix is one output yep. of that whole transition. And 
now cycling and azo thinks ah yeah if we do just netflix everything will change and will blow up everything and azo is still a sports organization that's doing media stuff next to that and yeah. liberty media is a media company without losing any sportive uh, parts of the sport it's still really professional nobody is doubting that it is not professional enough but they do it with a different view and i think that's uh, it's not just netflix no they changed the graphics the overlays the way the races are brought together they brought in new tracks more sprint races the youtube of f1 completely changed the growth of the f1 youtube because of the content plan completely different and that's almost more important frankly because people go watch the netflix show bang you got them you've got their interest for a week f1's on their mind for a week now they got to go somewhere now they got to keep that keep that momentum rolling maybe it's the off season before the season before the next race and they have the youtube channel to go to i know i i think youtube's a lot more important i think youtube is like the king of social media and then there's just a gap to everything else um and probably Instagram second, but yeah, they did all that. Whereas, you know, the Col de Grenon stage should be put up on YouTube in full. It's what Minnesota played um, the Buffalo Bills in the NFL last week. Incredible match, score like five score changes in the last two minutes. NFL just put the whole game up on YouTube, and the views on it are insane because it's one game. You know, what does it matter? Put up one game. It's like the pivotal moment. This is how exciting the sport can be. I think that that Vingegaard whole stage should be put up on YouTube. It get it would get mental views forever. And, you know, yeah, but I don't think it will. Um, because, what, you know, don't put the full product on the internet. But you're not. Like, once the, once the race is finished, it's irrelevant. Once the live event is finished, it's done. And so how can you revitalize that asset and make, you know, how can you chop it up and make people interested in things that have already happened? Because you've already paid for the road closures, the TV, and to not maximize what you've already done, I don't know, seems, uh, I obviously have strong views on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, would you, I guess your, your whole project is take back control of that um, but how much how much do you personally be writing? How much you said you delegate sort of the management admin stuff? Are you are you wearing two hats this year? Writing and training, plus sort of more of the content team as well with the Austin Devon. Um I will have an active role on the team, so I I will be a writer. Um but yeah, what you just said, uh, Benji, I have now more in control what my program is going to be. Then I'm going to write a whole program from January till October with all the, um, the, the things that I have to do next to that as well. Um, so it's going to be more like making a program that suits to me. So, for example, a tip, a kind of stage races or maybe a 0.2 le race level. So I'm going to make a schedule and I'm going to have an active role and have to train really hard. But I am also realistic. I'm not going to win Tour of Flanders. I'm not yeah. able to train the same amount as Wout van Aert does. But 
And how much is the percentage of you in the content about the team, for example, versus other riders? Because, for example, let's say uh, another rider of the team, I don't know, how how much are you going to be in the team content versus the other riders, or is that relatively equal? I hope that the other riders are going to be much and much more in the picture than... It has to be about the team. And also for the, the, for the future as YouTube channel, now it's all about Josse, me, and Devin. And you guys will probably know it also. The, um, it also brings a lot of pressure from constantly being there, always have to be in the picture or, or yeah, um, being at certain um, events. And with creating a new I- identity with an, a team and with other riders and other uh, people, um, I hope it will be more like Tour Titema as general, as a brand, instead of or three as three guys. And of course, we will have a, a really important role, but there has to be content as well if the three of us aren't there. That's what GCN, I guess GCN kind of did that transition like they they were always a media company like they got uh sort of an investment amount from youtube um and it was always a media company like first um built by simon ware but he was never in the picture no one really knows who he is um except sort of people in the cycling industry and they had the three presenters uh and then they just dan still there and simon and but matt stevens left and they rotated in new presenters and just i guess kept the machine kept the machine rolling um and i guess by having that gcn brand first supported of course by like the perception that it was like three mates um the gcn brand was able to live on when people want to do different things because yeah like that's what i worry about can i do highlight videos forever probably <laughs> not at this pace during the season like i got burnt out especially with the yumbo work on doing as well which is like a lot of work um and that's for another two years and then the podcast and then i, I do other stuff as well outside of cycling like yeah and then but then i always think well no one's gonna do it as good as me no one's gonna quite do it and that's, <laughs> I do, <laughs> but that's not true. Like someone could chop up the footage better than me and more efficiently than me. They could. Now maybe they couldn't be as funny with the with the voiceover, but the chopping up, which I do everything, maybe someone could do that better than me. Yeah, and if you want to scale up, you need to to get. Yeah, you need to use the experience and the abilities of other people's as well. Uh, even when you think, yeah, it's the same with us. Devin thinks he can make the best videos, but then he is going to be like a, uh, how do you call it? A painter that makes one video a month. But if you want to scale <laughs> up, make more content, you, you need to work with a team. And then maybe you lose some kind of quality uh, because you always think you can do it better. But yeah, it's a, it's a choice. Are you more like a, a creator or are you more like a, a business? Yeah, I guess. It's tough. The pod, I don't, I don't really see how we can delegate. Of course, editing neither of us do anymore, but 
how do you delegate the podcast? But the podcast is very time efficient. Um, it's the most. I've got an efficient. idea. Yeah. There's a how, how about to use AI technology to do like the audio and the video now? What was it called again? When, when they like face oh, fake oh, it? Yeah. And it just says and so forth. Um, <laughs> we just program it to say our very sayings. Um, <laughs> probably could do it to be honest. Yeah. But why so, are you guys not the pro, like the official analyze podcast or like YouTube channel of the Tour de France? That's something I still don't get. Like when the stage is done, that they say, "Oh yeah, we are w- co-working with those guys. They do the analytics." Uh, like well, I still don't get it. Well, the Giro reached out um, actually, and but they didn't want to pay anything. <laughs> and then they wanted the podcast to be like almost exclusively on their RSS feed. And I was just like, you just, you just don't get it. <laughs> I, just don't get, I was like, you should be paying us. No, I mean, we, we do it anyway, cover the Jira, but we could of course do different. Now there are some smaller races reaching out because we don't, we only cover world tour races generally. Like, Oh, could you do a podcast? Could you do daily recaps of each stage of our race? But yeah, I would say, have the race organizers fully appreciated and maximized what we can bring no um is that surprising no do i do i care it doesn't keep me up at night i just keep we just keep doing what we're doing um and opportunities will come now maybe to be honest what i think is the angle is live commentary like if you're sportser you've got to get the anything in right because you he's young and but I'm with Flemish. <laughs> That's the issue. Is that not allowed on sports, sir? Huh? I don't know. It probably is. It probably is because, like, one of the, I think Karl van Uekerk is also West Flemish, the guy that hosts uh, Vuvelo. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, like, why wouldn't they do that? I mean, of course, you don't have the, maybe with the older generation, the name recognition, of course. But. I mean, I'm not saying put you on the Tour of France. Let's settle down. Like, I mean, like, but <laughs> you, you could do some smaller hey, Tour de France or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was asking this because if I look to us with setting up a team, you have to look really into like, what's your role in the media inf- infrastructure? And seeing Benji making a PCM series about Tudor, for example, if he is doing that about our team, brings extra value. If, uh, for example, you have a a media outlet more on the journalism side of the infrastructure, I think it's really good to cooperate and being them as the office. For example, that you guys always analyze the race that we are doing, uh, even if it's Ronde van Drenthe, would be really nice. And um, I think using those kind of different um, media I think can bring way more extra value to a team, for example, than er- doing everything by yourself. Yeah, it's it's tough to know where you stand. Like we ran into that a little bit this year with the um, visa announcement. Like, what side of the lines do we do we sit on? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it sounds good also to be brought into the traditional fold it sounds good you want to be accepted but then i think once you get over there you realize actually what you have and you're doing here is actually really good we say what we want we put on turn on the camera whenever we want it we you know make pretty good 
make a good living out of it. Like, I think there's in the traditional media sense, it wouldn't be as fun. I think that how I see it from my end, I feel like this is what I want to do when I can achieve it. And traditional media is the backup if something falls apart. Is that a weird way to say it? <laughs> yeah, like if you, yeah, like if you, I don't know, the podcast dies, God forbid, you go be. Uh, Please no. I don't know. <laughs> you, you do the Viva Flitz podcast or something. Or, or like, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but it's going to be for us the same scary moments as well, because now it's the first time, maybe this year as well, that we really dive into the cycling world by ourselves. Normally, we were those guys with funny videos about other teams. And now our, we are going to be the guys in the, wor- in the cycling world. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be completely different than, than two or three years ago. Who of the team is going to win the TDT Unibet Ronde van Overijssel Wheelie Challenge? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I can do not even one meter. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I heard there was one guy, for example, I guess it was Martijn Budding with the cyclocross uh, background that, uh, that can do a pretty long wheelie. <laughs> right, we'll look forward to that. Thanks for coming on, Bas, and talking about the team's plans and I guess the broader cycling landscape. Really interesting to hear your perspective as both a rider and I guess the founder and co-creator of this team. Uh, we'll keep watching everything Twitter Tiedemann does uh, across social media this year. I look forward to the team progressing and, and even going to Pro Conti in 2024. Very ambitious, but I like the ambition. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, you guys. And it's not ambitious. It's going to be there, uh, Patrick. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to call you as a UCI agent for some guys from uh, Andorra. I've, I've had to. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I'm not doing it for the next two years. Oh. Um, with the Yumbo stuff. I just, then, I call, then I call Benji. Yeah, call Benji. <laughs> <for us. laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll pretend to be a UCI agent and I'll just get into the DMs of Riders and I'll be like, I've got this 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 great pro team from the <laughs> Netherlands that is going to be world tour in two years, going to win the Tour de France in three years. They want you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll tell Wolf and I, you know, 2027. He's probably signed until 2030. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe when he's 40, he can ride. But yeah. All right. Thanks, Bus. Talk to you later. Thanks, in the season. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 